0: As you're listening
1: to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes.
2: On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, a guest in the studio. A mysterious stranger blocks your path. It's friend of the show, Mark Hines. His mic's not on, but he's trying to communicate, which bears well for this episode. Also, we've got some conversations about the Germans. The Germans picking the games you should be playing. Yeah, pay close attention. Bye-bye. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, Guelph, Ontario, Ontario, Canada, Canada, the world. Uh, This is Android's Dungeon, a show about books, movies, games, music, whatever has happened to me as I walked into the studio, prompting conversation. Uh, I've got Joel in the studio. Take a bow, Joel before the germans get here before the germans arrive what's that from watch your foot it's is it snatch it's, it's snatch, snatch yeah
1: that's yeah, the gun for the germans the,
2: yeah. <laughs> in case the germans that's, i haven't seen snatch in forever it's a good was, movie i used to think lockstock was the better movie and now i think i've switched over to snatch i like Superior. snatch a lot
1: more than lockstock
2: it's all it's a smoother more refined it's like the uh <laughs> it's lockstock is like it's kind of like um I, used to, I got in a fight with somebody about true romance once, and I hate true romance a lot. That's this Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette film uh, that Tarantino wrote the script for, but... It was directed by um, Tony Scott, and I've always found it to be an example of what happens when someone who's not Tarantino tries to make a Tarantino movie. Especially what, take if
1: all of the instances of the N-word out of it?
2: <laughs> well, that oh. I don't know. I actually haven't seen it in a while. I do know there's a Gary uh, Oldman in Dreadlocks. Uh, oh. as like, a drug dealer or something in it. But anyway, it's not a good I hate good. it, but some people defend it to their dying breath for some reason. But um, anyway... Um, yeah, that sounds a little bit better this this board is crazy today by the way every time it's like we we talk about how much we love randomness in games i love randomness and showing up to the studio and it's like somebody rolled eight eight d6s and assigned them randomly to all across the board it's a game in itself yeah uh how
0: many uh, how many more times do you think we're gonna have to worry about the board? The state of the board.
2: Uh, only once, because I'm going to smash it before I leave the studio, <laughs> and then this will be never, no one's problem ever again. you see the big banner coming in? The banner?
0: Bruce so banner? The, the studio staying open now depends on individual students coming in in September and opting in.
2: Yeah, that's what it was always going to be, right? If because, Well, they tried a couple other strategies. Yeah, they right? tried they to do some the, end runs. <laughs> we still
0: got the petition here.
2: Come on in and sign. Yeah, I guess we should bring it up because I usually just say it at the end of the show. But if you value... <clears throat> this high-quality programming you were listening to <laughs> as Mark distances himself from you, <laughs> uh, you should probably do something about it. And if you're a student, and God forbid you're listening to this station, and I know one or two people might be, I know that when I was working here as a, a, a manscaper, and I would have my little portable radio, and I'd, I'd mostly tune CFRU because the signal came in nice and clear and the <laughs> quality programming. Right next to the tower. Right next to the tower. But if you, if you remotely like CFRU, you should probably think about, you know, dragging your friends out and convince him the part with, what is it, Joel, buck fifty out of their student oh, fee? I have no idea. I have no idea either. I should probably know this first I think
1: time. it's about the same amount you're giving to Campus for Christ, so.
2: What <laughs> 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 Don't make them pick between the Lord and CFRU. <laughs> yeah. That's true, Sorry, I don't want no anyone choice to feel do, like man. they have to
1: pick between CFRU and my main man JC. I'm pretty sure
0: Campus for Christ is locked in as an essential service.
1: <laughs>
0: Y'all need Jesus in your life. It's like you can uncheck the box, but that one's grayed out. <laughs> You're not able to...
2: I, I don't know maybe maybe that's a trick is you should just get like some shading pencils and just shade over something oh it's a lot.
1: Christian Friends Radio University hey you know, hey just rebrand
2: hold on a sec how many gospel shows did to you just me? save, save <laughs> I think I did somebody get me the premiere.
1: he gives out pe- his cell phone number to people right that's right we can give it. We can call Arch- him call and he can threaten to sue me
0: him and Michael Cole talk all the time
1: <laughs> I don't get that according cool to him he threatened to sue a coworker of ours allegedly. <laughs> I say allegedly because I don't necessarily believe every story I hear. From, Hold on. From are you saying
2: gentleman? you don't believe that your coworker was personally threatened to be sued by the yeah, Premier Yeah, I feel of like Doug
1: has uh, a lot of drunk driving to do, so he may be. Oh, <laughs> now we're getting sued. <laughs>
0: there it comes. Steve, are you was not shutting down before? <laughs> The
2: axe is being sharpened as we speak.
1: It was me. Sorry, guys.
2: (laughs) It was me. Okay. Speaking of, this is, like I said in the intro, this is Mark. Mark. Yeah, friend of the show, not affiliated. Let's not say his
1: last name again.
2: Uh, (laughs) Mark Santamore. (laughs) Mark Sanchez. Check out his website. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, I'm here. I've actually been on the show before and talked.
2: Yeah. That's Many times.
1: Come <laughs> all right, thanks.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for coming out, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. There's the door. There's the door. We'll all be following you shortly. Um, so... Androids Dungeon, uh, occasionally we talk about games, and occasionally some of us actually play games. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to really play much because, uh, because well, I moved. We finally found a house. We moved into it recently. So you've been playing Tetris. I've been playing Tetris in real life. Uh, or um, does that, Do you guys know what Sokoban is? Have you ever heard of that? Huh? It's like a soup. Sort of it's uh i think it translates from japanese to be like warehouse worker or a box stacker but there was it's a puzzle game from the 80s where you'd move objects around but you have to carefully put them in certain places because once mm-hmm. you you can never pull the box back so if it's you push it up into a place you can never get rid of it again so anyway i've been playing sokoban except i can uh, actually pick up the boxes and move them once <laughs> they're in place but that was my long-winded explanation of what's going on so how's it looking it's it's looking okay. It was grim for a bit. I may have had a slight panic attack on Sunday when I was just staring at all the boxes and I was wondering how did the, all this stuff get here and how did we hold this in the first place. But as, to be
1: fair, I felt that way every single time I've moved. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, it's and you start to wonder too. Like you see some of these things because maybe when you're packing initially, you think, oh. I needed this. And then as soon as you start to put it away, you think I didn't need this didn't at need all. It. Why and didn't I just throw this out? Why didn't I get rid of this? Donate it. Like It's never been easier to let yeah. people take your things. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And I'm not going to go Marie Kondo on this and like if it doesn't bring me joy because <laughs> that's the wrong way to look at it. It it brings me joy and anxiety. I need to have them like <sighs> Larfleas from Greenland. Uh, uh, <laughs> Greenland, Lantern. Green Lantern, yeah. A um, little bit of comic humor for you. References. <laughs> anyway. I, I don't have much to contribute on this front, so I'm going to just going to pass it right off to our guest, Hello, Mark Hines, the customary greeting of Android friend Dungeon. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, Mark yes. Sandemore, excuse me. <laughs> uh, Corey Trevor, Trevor Corey. Uh, Mark, what have you been playing recently?
1: Uh, I've been playing um, uh, the new Stellaris DLC, which actually got released uh, yesterday. Uh, I got an advanced copy to write a review. It's
2: pretty good. Hold on, stop. You got an advanced copy to write a review.
1: Yes. That's pretty big. That's pretty cool, yeah. Okay, so this we're going to come
2: We're going to come back to that in a second, mm-hmm. but talk about unless you don't want to gank uh, uh, the page traffic for where for your website.
0: But yeah, yeah, cuz they're not going to read it because they listen to this. <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's there's going to be those two clicks just just push you over the threshold there.
1: Um, so it's pretty good. I, um, it adds, it's called Ancient Relics. It doesn't add anything too groundbreaking. It just sort of expands out the galaxy. Puts a little bunch of like, uh, you know, those Star Trek episodes where like, Patrick Stewart would be like he goes to Riser for his vacation, and ends yeah. up going on an archaeology adventure because yeah. yeah, that's why not P- P- Captain uh, Picard's whole backstory. It's basically it adds that. So instead of just finding oh an anomaly and you click and you wait for your scientist to <laughs> finish, you now find an archaeology site and, <laughs> and you and wait, for, wait for him to finish that <laughs> stage and then you wait for him to finish that a uh, next stage and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But it it's, uh, makes the galaxy feel a little less empty, which is good. I was getting kind of burned out on the game. I've been playing it since launch. How much? Uh, I have... Oh, no. I mentioned it the other day and people laughed at me. Uh, 1,643 hours. Woo! Something like that. So
2: so would you that consider yourself an, an elite? Uh, no, 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 player? No, 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 no.
1: Absolutely not. Really? No, I just play it a lot. I'm not good at it or anything. But I'm, Nope.
2: Um, now, are there actual difficulty settings? It's been a while since I even booted it up.
1: Yeah. So, like, there's there's difficulty settings that basically give the AI bonuses. All right. Screw that. So that doesn't I've, count. I've made it about halfway up. and could comfortably play at that level. <clears throat> But it's like we were talking about civilization the other day I've been yeah. playing civilization since the first one mm-hmm. and I'm still not good at it yeah
2: <laughs> so. I feel the same way there are a couple of games that I think I'm I'm I'd I'm, say I'm a veteran but just because I'm a veteran doesn't mean I was really good at war yeah and I, I know to... I'm bad yeah
1: that's and but I know enough about the game to know that I suck yeah th- see that's an and an important that it's thing.
2: my fault that I'm losing <laughs> it's like a, so, a Socr- <laughs> Socratic is like I know know yourself I know I suck at this game mm-hmm. but 16 did you say 1600 hours yes how much does this DLC cost?
1: Uh, it is ten dollars and forty nine cents, I think.
2: And it just adds.
1: It adds. It adds like a bunch more exploration events. Uh, Do you think it's like... worth it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a paradox. If you buy a paradox game not expecting to be shelling out crap loads of money for DLC, then yeah. you're an idiot. Um, like that's how Paradox makes its money: mm-hmm. is they sell the game, and then for the next twenty years <laughs> they release DLC. Yeah. So you can get shiny horses. Um, and new portraits for your for your <laughs> star empire that don't affect anything. It just changes what sounds. Is you that make.
0: real? Yeah. Remember when Josh uh, had hundred percent? Yeah. So has Josh been on the All show? The I can't remember. Did we interview
1: him yeah. at one time? I think. So yeah. if, if... He, he, he's an achievement hunter, and I remember when he was going for his his chivo run. Well, and just c- restarting over and over again until
2: he got because he was looking for this very unique uh, event where it only triggers within a span of a hundred years, and and it's random whether it'll even hit. Yeah. And you, what is it like, ascension of the machines? Like you become uh, like the singularity occurs, and you take over the galaxy as like a hive mind robot. Yeah,
1: that's one of the one of the achievements is to basically you can go through this. There's ascension paths, so there's like biological ascension. You get to basically remake your race from scratch give them all kinds of crazy, like, super strong, Mm -hmm. super attractive, etc. Or you can do psionic ascension, where you, like, basically become, like, super psychics that can reach into the shroud between worlds and all that. Um, (laughs) Oh,
0: I know that voice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we haven't gotten to D&D yet. (laughs) Um, And then the third one is you turn yourself into uh, perfect immortal machines. Hmm. Um, But I think the one that he was looking for, you had to be... um, playing as a reptilian empire you had to invade world war ii era earth so so first of all the soul system has to has to spawn it can't be an empire it has to be like a pre-ftl civilization you have to be in the right age
0: uh? yeah. <laughs> oh yeah what my, did all that oh mean? my god so Solars is a game about space exploration
1: yeah it's a 4x yeah. Um,
0: but
2: real time which threw me for a giant loop yeah, so when I booted it's possible
1: up. real time so you just you hit you tell your guys what to do and you hit space to unpause the game and yeah. then you wait for them to do it and then you give more orders.
2: Yeah, Just
0: like uh, Dragon Age.
1: But you find little pre faster than light empires as you go around and you can find earth uh, even if you're playing as the humans which I always think is funny um, in various stages you can find like Stone Age you can find it after a nuclear war you can find it during World War 2 mm. you can find them like just about to discover warp travel
2: so it's kind of like that episode of uh, what is it, uh, Enterprise? When uh, the it's Harper uh, Archer gets sent back to uh, World War II and the space Nazis or Oh there? yeah, when he
1: fights the space Nazis, yeah, 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 the 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 gray skin guys that help out the Nazis. Yeah. Um, that I the always liked season? the one with uh, that's a good one, mostly just for, for T'Pol just not understanding humanity at all, <laughs> and the actress continuing to phone it in as hard as possible. <laughs>
2: hey now let's let's not besmirch the good name of i can't remember exactly right (laughs) but you know she she acted pretty well as far as i was concerned in several scenes
1: oh yeah no when i was a a 13 year old boy i also enjoyed watching (laughs) their television show 13
2: (laughs) (laughs) last week wow you never know all
0: right joel what have you been playing recently I got two titles that, uh, one of them I just forgot I had played, and the other one uh, I got to try out this weekend. So, the first game is Raw. That's not, Raw. Not, the, <laughs> not Hurrah. Not the WWE yeah. <laughs> wrestling campaign game. Oh, yeah. I uh, forgot about the R-A-W. Egyptian God. Uh, and then uh, the other game, which uh, was pretty interesting, was Mexica. Oh, Not good. Mexico.
2: Neat. Yeah. Not Mexico.
0: Is there actually a game called Mexico?
2: No, there is not. Maybe there is. There, I know there's an 18xx set in Mexico, and it looks well, garish. garish. It looks Once terrible. upon a
0: time in Mexico.
2: All right, so let's start with Raw, because it's a Rainier Knizia game from a little while ago. Uh, it was reprinted by Fantasy Flight um, semi-recently when they did kind of the, the Knizia trilogy. So they did Tigers and Euphrates, uh, Yellow and Yangtze, and Raw. And I think they also, I don't know if you put, maybe uh, one of those is incorrect, because Samurai was in there as well. And they play, maybe Raw is the one that doesn't belong in that trilogy. Because what is Raw?
0: Raw, well, it's a Kinnitsa game. So it's a highly strategic uh, set collection game.
1: Uh, What is a Kenitsi game?
0: So Rainier Kinnitsa is this insane European man who makes a lot of really, uh, well, I wouldn't say they're all that heavy, but they're they're known to be um, strategic and not really any luck in them. So um, just as an example, Shut Up and Sit Down recently did sort of like a demo of their game shelf. And he's got it, um, or they've got it set up as axes. So on the bottom right axes, he's got the most random games, you know, dice chucking, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then on the opposite corner of that, so like as different as possible,
2: he's got all of the Rainier Canizia games. The man is prolific. He's a, I think he has a PhD in mathematics or something along those lines. And the, the sheer amount of games he puts out every year, that's original stuff too, mm-hmm. combined with things of his that are reprinted <laughs> over the years. Um, they are... <laughs> yeah, they didn't really do anything. <laughs> I was trying to mute Mark, put the cough button on, but this studio is so loud. Um, mm. Anyway, Knitsa is, is just a legend and some of his games. So I'm just going to read off a couple of his awards, by the way. Uh, he's won the German Game of the Year twice, five times the German Game Prize, three times French Grand Prix of games, four times Austrian Grand Game Award, two times Swiss Game Awards, uh, Dutch, Danish, German, Japanese, uh, and a list of notable games. Modern Art from 1992, Medici, 95, Tigers and Euphrates, 97, Through the Desert, 98, Samurai, Ra, Lost Cities, Stevenson's Rocket, Lord of the Rings, Battleline, Taj Mahal, Winter Circle, Blue Moon, Uh, what's another famous, Quest for El Dorado, which we've been talking about recently. Yeah, like, these names, we know them all,
0: we've heard them all. Uh, So, Ra, when did Ra come out? Ra is ancient, it's 99.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The last year gaming,
0: that was good. So there's basically a situation where a tile will flip, and every tile gives you points in some way or another. Uh, you'll either get points on this round or at the end of the game, and there's usually three rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tile will flip, and it'll go out in the middle, and everybody gets to bid on it. So you've you've got four different number values in front of you, and you basically you pick a number value, and you say, I'll submit this. So let's say I submit seven, Jack submits eight, And Mark submits 10. Mark wins the bid. He gets that tile, but he has to put that 10 into the middle and take whatever number was in the middle and take it face down. So he can't... He's lost one of his four numbers. So you can basically win four bids per round. But you do have the option to just ignore the bid, uh, not start a bid, essentially, and just draw another tile Mm -hmm. so that then the pool of benefits get better and better and better.
1: I'm already overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty quick once you get down to it, but... But once in a while, you'll draw a tile that uh, breaks some of your tiles. So if you have any of those tiles already that round, you'll lose them. So uh, in that case, you wouldn't want to win that bid. Uh, um, but it, there's also a whole bunch of tiles in there that will flip,
2: and that just automatically starts a bid. Yeah. And that's like Joel mentioned, too. It's It almost mirrors this... It's like you could argue it's a sieve light game because you're essentially collecting sections that would represent maybe the way ancient Egypt would be developing in a little section. So it's almost like you're running your own little city states, but you end up with calamities that can be in the mix like you're talking about and screw up the, your carefully laid plans. Mm-hmm. And it's all about balancing, oh, how many tiles do I want to put out there? And you're thinking, oh, well, Mark put in this really good bid before, so he's not going to be able to beat me. Joel, I'm not so sure about, so I won't, I need to be pretty careful about this one. Yeah. But then maybe... You you pull up something and there's no question now you've started the bid because you got greedy yeah, and, and the
0: number of values are all face up so yeah. you'll know if you are gonna win a bid,
2: uh, or if you can win a
0: bid. somebody might outbid you or they might choose not yeah i
2: meant more like how how much is joel gonna want to oh, take these to, as he's yeah. are gonna come up here and pay these out so Anyway, Raw is a really, it's an interesting game, and there's, it's famous especially for the main piece of the, you slam it down, and it's like, it makes this lovely clacking sound, and you, you have to shout <laughs> Raw. There's no question about it. Raw! Like raw. Oh,
1: so it's like racco. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's, it's okay. racco. yeah I don't even know what Racco too is. What's a... Racco is, you have a rack, and you put your, uh, you have cards in uh, with numbers on them, and you have to, you basically, you trade cards with the middle yeah. to mm-hmm. uh, make them sequential, and once you have a sequential, you yell, oh. racco and you win. Oh.
0: It's nothing like Racco. <laughs> well, there's yelling. But <laughs> Mark knew a point of reference. So it's good for him.
1: <laughs> uh, now I'm back engaged in the show. All right. I Kind of want to play
0: Racco now. It Sounds like no, a No, it's awful. Racco. I hate it So much. <laughs> yeah, we played it forever until Mark
2: vetoed it. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, 222 with John Fedema. Oh, is this played with an actual deck of cards or is it its own game?
1: Uh, it's its own it's its own game. It's just that we would play it all the time uh. and I got so frustrated. Yeah, where do you put
2: it up there with spoons?
1: Uh, spoons is better. I like spoons a lot more.
2: It's been a long time since I played spoons. Racco. Spoons can
1: get violent. Racco can't.
0: Racco very much multiplayer solitaire
2: too. Uh, okay. For a second, I thought there was some speed uh, or dexterity. No, you know. Just turners. on your turn, you trade a card. Oh, uh, never mind. I thought it was like a free for all of people doing stuff. All right. So, did you like raw? I love draw. Mm. Yeah, I want to
0: play more, and I want to play more Kenzi games. Yeah. Um, some of the elements that made it really entertaining were um, there's a certain point where everybody's bid except for you maybe and you're the only one left and you're just drawing tiles trying to make the pool as big as possible but there's also those ones that are just triggering the bids that are just ruining your day so you might get a really big one you might get a small one and after what I didn't uh, mention at the end was once there's six six or seven bid tiles comes up. The round just ends. Yeah. So you could just end up with nothing.
2: Yeah. You can easily You don't even get a bid. Exactly. You can easily one. screw yourself. So it's 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 a neat example for as far as Kanita game goes of push your luck mixed with the auction, mixed with the set collection. And, and just like, let's say Rosenberg, for example, you can kind of see where these design elements show up in other parts of his games too. Oh, yeah. Like Tigers and Euphrates is kind of like you're doing, again, it's mirroring an ancient civilization. You're kind of building stuff. But at the same time, you're doing a bit of set collection or you're trying to get certain amounts of certain colors. But curiously, Tigris and Euphrates does this thing with you can't just do one thing really well because your two best points you score are thrown away at the end of the game and you have to take your two worst categories if that right. makes any sense to anyone. But basically, you can't just focus exclusively on one color. You have to spread out. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. But yeah. anyway. If I were to compare it to other set
0: collection games, which you could also call point salads, mm. uh, compared to Seven Wonders and Sushi Go, much better. <laughs> it's, it's...
2: You'd call Seven Wonders a point sound? Yeah, I mean, no matter what you do, you're getting points, right? You're yeah. just getting different points. Interesting. It's uh, it's definitely a neat game, and it was out of print for a while. Now it's back, so everyone can enjoy it. And Yeah, pick I, it up. Definitely recommend.
0: Uh, I'll give it uh, 9 out of 11. Uh, tiles drawn
2: randomly from a bag? <laughs> uh, flood tiles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Moving on raw then you got to play something that i have never uh, i haven't had a chance to play which is but you've heard of it i've heard of it but you have heard of me i have heard
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mexico. uh not too much to say about it it's tile placement so it's garbage no i'm just kidding so it what, is carcassonne? a carcassonne it is it is a tile placement like carcassonne except that the map is preset there's some very pretty beautiful Um, temples, which uh, Jamie has just brought up on the screen.
2: Jamie, can you pull up those temples?
0: (laughs) And uh, basically you're just laying down rivers so that you can traverse areas and divide them up into sections. And when sections are a certain number, then you get some points. Uh, And then if you have the most temple value on one of those sections at the end of the round, you get some more points. Oh, good. I like points. And that's the game.
2: (laughs) This is a game by uh, I believe it's Kramer and... uh, um, can we check that, Jamie? Jamie, can you pull it up? It's Keesley and Kramer, which is another duo team. <laughs> the that, Ks that, that are always up to no good, and they've between them, they've made some of the craziest uh, or some of the most well-received games out there. Um, this is a trilogy cuz what what came out recently there was um oh, I'm going to f- flub this up here but there's a uh, family section there I don't know. Anyway, I'll look it up in a second, but they re- there's another game in the trilogy that just came out recently that was fairly well received and I, I keep want to say Zolkin but it's some i Teowatakan, that's what it's oh, called. Oh yeah. So that was the third in this one too. I'd love to play Mexico, but well I have not uh, had Jason a Chef's has it and he's he's happy to happy to teach it. <laughs> Cool, I'd love to. So, what do you? Where would you rank it as far as complexity? Because you you brought up Carcassonne initially, which is fairly basic, but very light. Yeah, uh, Mexico is probably like a
0: three out of ten for complexity. Oh wow, it's pretty light. It's uh, it's basically you just drop the rivers. The rivers are really easy to drop. Uh, if you can count, you can oh, probably no. make a. <laughs> you can probably make one of these sections, uh-huh. and then basically the rest of the game is. Uh, people moving their little characters to pop in and out of different sections so that they can drop temples and take the points away from other people.
2: So we're looking at a, a picture of the board right now, and I'm just trying to figure out here because we've got different colored temples. But how are you supposed to score these? Like, is it just like having the most, like in a in an like a little bunch? Yeah, there's or... a most, second, and third most. Okay. And there's points for each of those. And if you're tied for most,
0: hey, you both get the max quality. Oh, that's nice. Quality. So, so basically you have a limited number of temples, mm-hmm. and um, you can choose where you're going to drop them, but your person has to be in the section to drop them. So you, there is some uh, movement. Oh, one of the really cool things about this game that I almost forgot about is... Let's say you're in a situation where you're not really sure what you want to do, or you're stuck because somebody blocked you in, mm-hmm. or you're just, uh, you know, you've got analysis paralysis,
1: and you're
3: just,
0: <laughs> oh, I can't decide how so to spend if you're my action. Joel points. Joel
1: taking a turn in a board game. Yeah, what? Yeah. No, no, you're looking at the wrong person, friend. <laughs> <Yeah. Jack. laughs>
0: so you get a total of six action points, Jack, and that's basically your currency to spend. Oh, okay. At each of these temples, uh, will uh, either cost you one to four action points to build, depending on how big it is. Uh, you can also spend an action point to move, or you can spend an action point to drop a river. Okay, so now I got to look this up because uh, you're not sure. Maybe you don't know what you want to do with your six action points, or you got four good thing, four action points worth of stuff to do, and then yeah. you're like, ah, what do I do with the other two? Don't worry about it. At any point in the game, you can take these little symbols, these little chits. Mm-hmm. And you can say I'm saving my actions. You can say
2: that's so and rare. You can in a save game.
0: all your actions.
2: You can just take six chits and say I'm not going to go. So there's got to be it has to be balanced then with that it's be- you should be it should be more optimal to be taking those actions immediately rather than you just kind of say, eh, I'm going to pass for three turns and then do a bunch of things in such a sequence that I've I've gone crazy here.
0: Yeah. Well, keep in mind when you create a section, yeah, you get immediately points for creating that section. So if you're passing. Other people are going to be creating the most valuable sections of the biggest areas and taking those points. Hmm. So, yeah, you will miss out. But I found that it was incredibly powerful to have, like, 12 actions. Yeah, it sounds good. And then being able to do whatever the heck you wanted.
2: Well, that's what I'm getting at is it seems like it partially – like, it seems difficult to balance if you can just bank things. And There's be also to... a limited number of chits. There would uh, be
0: right, two there people we go. could
2: save their turns, and then the, pers- the next person could take like, Okay, so actions. it's not like these are an unlimited resource you can just hold on to. No. See, as soon as you start talking about the um, the action point system, I immediately thought of Tcal. It's like oh, God. it's another it's another game set in uh, sort of the Aztec jungles, and you're building temples and you're exploring, and there's some area control, and there's a lot of points. Who designed it? Oh, it's Kiesly and Kramer again. So this is this has to be the, the first one it's in the bread series. Bread and butter. Yeah. Every designer
0: mark has. A theme. What's Rosenberg's? (laughs) They've got two things things going on, worker placements and funny shaped tiles. And putting stuff onto a building up a farm or or a village or something like that. Anyway, Mexica is is a top placement I can handle because like uh, maybe King Domino, it's not that hard because in Carcassonne, you've got, oh, there's a city on this part and there's a river here and there's a road here and I need it all to line up and (laughs) uh, my brain don't work so good (laughs) in this section. (laughs) But in this, all the rivers look the same and do the same thing, so it's
2: easy enough. All right, what's your final rating of uh, uh, Mexica?
0: I'll give it... Four out of seven uh,
2: ancient sacrificial temples. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. All right. Musical break. We'll be back in a second.
3: Hard times are ahead of me. To hard times I have walked And I guess that dreams I will never see Even death won't bring me peace I think I've been tired all of my life And you've already guessed that I've never died They say there's no rest for the wicked And I sure have an evil eye There's no rest for the wicked No rest for me There's no rest for the wicked Evil never sleep You know I've died so many times That I've grown tired of the church bells shine The earth can't bury the sins that I've done Though living is my only crime Cast him aside Don't cross his path is what you'll hear When you ask about my name And I guess that it's true That I'd also kill you And I would even Do it without shame No rest For the wicked No rest For me There's no rest For the wicked Evil Never sleep Evil
2: Welcome back everyone, what you just heard was No Rest for the Wicked by the Coffin Shakers. Uh, The fellow, the lead Coffin Shaker has his own album, our solo career. I don't know if he's European or not, a lot of his stuff seems to take place in like Finland, but he sounds, I guess anyone can sound like a yank when they're singing. Uh, kind of faux country twang and yeah. the right type of music.
1: Well, like King Dude, we've talked about before, yeah. you and I. This yeah. like the like spooky, uh, spooky, spooky country guy. He's from the Netherlands.
2: Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh. Well, the more you, the more you know. There you go. Uh, Mark. Yes. There's a rumor going around.
1: Oh, <laughs> don't believe everything you hear, Jack.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, aside from that rumor, you are also a DM. I am also <laughs> a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master. All right. Now, first off, do you like DM or GM? Uh, DM. Is DM one of those things that's... Do people say GM because they, they're they running different games? Cause GM is a more universal term that you can use to pretty much any tabletop,
1: but I am playing Dungeons & Dragons. I am a DM.
2: Yeah, because I know uh, he hasn't been on the show, but I, I feel like I dropped his name, Jake, at uh, your place of business, mm-hmm. and uh, one of Kayla's developers. He uses GM almost exclusively. I know he plays a lot of D&D. We have very different
1: opinions about tabletop games. <laughs>
2: He's wrong. <laughs> He's wrong. <laughs> I was trying to start a fight. That's what I was just looking for. But, uh, and I am smiling politely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mark, describe what is going on right now in the world of uh, Dungeons and Dragons.
1: So, like, uh, t- specifically my campaign, or do you want me to, to talk start, about what st- Wizards is doing these days?
2: Let's do, let's start with what your campaign is up to. Okay. And then I, I feel like you're, you've got your finger on the pulse Uh, the rapidly fading pulse of uh, Wizards of the Coast Uh, so we're doing
1: a homebrew campaign and for those of you who are like what's that Uh, basically (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons Wizards of the Coast the people that own them and um, Magic the Gathering and a bunch of other like nerdy fantasy things um, they put out official adventures. <clears throat> so they, uh, one of the ones that recently came out is the the hunt for the tetra hydra or something like that. It's a Stranger Things
3: uh, uh, themed,
1: uh, like it's made by Mike Wheeler, the main char- one of the main characters in Stranger Things. Uh, I see. And it's essentially the the campaign they're going on in the very first uh, shot of the first episode.
2: So is it using the uh, like second edition rules or no?
1: It's still using fifth edition rules, um, but it, like it introduces like the the, the like Demogorgon from Demogorgon of course from from the show even though Demogorgon's already a prince of hell anyway I'm not gonna get into that what about Um, Jubilex (laughs) (laughs) yeah what Jubilex is a demon lord um (laughs) <clears throat> the Devils queen. want to own your soul. Demons want to destroy the universe. This is going to come in later, I think. I it is, because we're going to talk about one of the new adventures. Yeah. Anyway, so Wizards makes their own adventures. One of the new ones, uh, Descent to Avernus, I think it's called. It's set in Baldur's Gate. That's the new one that's coming out. Um, but the one we're doing is Homebrew. I'm spacing it around uh, just a city in the world. Um, and it's also very loosely based on Midsummer Night's Dream. So the fairies are screwing with the nobility in this town. And then they're stealing. Uh, the, this princess has gone missing, so the party has to go find her. Okay. Um, so far, the party <laughs> um, hasn't been working super well together. Uh, our druid thinks everyone's an idiot, uh, <laughs> which is fair. Um, and we have a, a bard and a warlock who just fall for every single trap.
2: Um, no, right? hold on. When you say fall for every trap, is it because they don't care? Yeah, or it's because it been... they don't
1: care. <laughs> okay. um, like we we got to a point. I made a dungeon,
2: um, basically
1: that uh, the theme was traps. Everything was a trap. The, the, the very first room, they walk into the trap. Uh, they walk down a hallway to the second one. Hey, look, there's some traps. Uh, they walk into a room. There's a whole bunch of gold just sitting there on the ground. It, it um, can't be a trap. And the druid said, wow, guys, this is obviously a trap. And then the druid and warlock got into an argument about whether or not they should open the chest. And while they were arguing, the d- bard opened the chest, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I thought was entertaining. It reminded me of a bard I played. Uh, <laughs> was that Greensleeves? Um, yeah, it was Greensleeves. Yeah. Um, and then... Later on, they uh, they walk up, they find this tree underground, and uh, their whole thing is they went there to go find some flowers. The tree has flowers all over it. And the party's like, oh, of course, this is clearly what we're looking for. Uh, this smoky tree in the middle of a grove underground that shouldn't be there. And then a hag showed up and cast lightning bolt and almost killed a few people. Uh, in fact, I think we, I did drop the fighter. Uh, <laughs> never know. piss off your DM.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, some cruelty on display. Here, so right last now. week...
1: Um, a bunch of my players couldn't make it. Uh, so the ones that did show up got to do a fun little side adventure in the Upside Down um, from Stranger Things, which is just the Shadow Realm, which is a legit thing in Dungeons & Dragons. Now,
2: is the do they actually call it the Upside Down in D&D, or is this no. like a Stranger Things infliction, inflection? So when they,
1: they talk about it in Stranger Things about the Shadow Realm. Uh, I think in 5 they call it the Shadow Fell, but it's the same thing. It's a dark, spooky like reflection of our universe. Is Ravenholm, does it take place
2: in there? Or is it...
1: Ravenholm is a demi-plane uh, of the Plane of Shadow, so it's a part of the Shadow Realm. Oh, there we go. Um, so there's planes, we live on the Material Plane, and then there's the Feywild and Shadowfell, which are reflections of that, and then there's like the Plane of Light, the Plane of Fire. All right. The elemental ones, and then there's all the ones that the gods live in outside of that. Feywild,
0: that's where all the those cool things that I made uh, when I was that crazy druid. Yeah. That's where they came from. That's where they came from. That's where Poof. fairies
1: are from. It's where elves are from, too, if you go back far enough. Ooh. I don't like these guys. One bit Dark Elves. (laughs) Uh, Dark Elves, yes. So Corallon and Loth. Corallon created Loth, his wife. Oh, (laughs) boy. Um, (laughs) Do you want me to go into it? (laughs) I can't. I've read the books. I know. That's that's, a I'm intrigued now. <laughs> so Corallon was the original elf. He was the god of the elves, and he got lonely, so he created himself a wife. That's Loth. Loth thought. Then they had children, and Corlon was like, cool, guys. Be like me. Just be chill. Do whatever you want. You want to be a stream? Be a stream. You want to be a cloud in the sky? Be a cloud in the sky. And Loth was like, no, we're better than everybody else. We should take over the universe. <laughs> And Corlan said, that's well, not yeah. cool. And all of Loth's followers were like, yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. And then there was this uh, war or something. Uh, and then Loth and all of followers got banished to the Underdark where the drow live. And now they're the drow. And, uh, so hold on. they The drow are separate from the Dark Elves? The drow are Dark Elves. Oh, okay. That's what they are then.
0: We should uh, we should stop playing D&D and just read D&D. It seems like, yeah, I have
1: cool. uh, Morkanian's Tome of Foes if you want to take a look Ooh. through that. It talks about the Blood War, which is part of Descent to Avernus. I learned a ton about uh, the lore just, like, a couple days ago,
0: just reading about this uh, Critical Role campaign.
1: Yeah, Critical Role. I think they go to the Feywild at some point. I, ha- I haven't watched a lot of Critical Role. I think D&D is a lot more fun to play than to watch. Uh, I mean, I watched some of uh mm. Ann Woll's Relics and Rarities just because I like her as an actress. Why do I? She's, why, what's she from? She's in True Blood. She was in all the, like, uh, she's Marvel. She's br- Yeah, she's in all the Marvel and Netflix shows. She's yeah. Karen Page parent Page, Netflix. Yeah, I'm Netflix. Uh,
2: <laughs> I, I don't get that.
1: Uh, uh, it, uh, he's not. Well, he's not dead. He just doesn't live in guelph anymore. An old friend of ours. He's dead to us. Um, You're doing to
2: Matt McConaughey
1: So one of the things that I set out to do. Um, so the, the reason that I killed the fighter last time. Okay, when I say when I say <laughs> yeah, killed, I reason? mean knocked unconscious. Yeah. Uh, we know each other in real life, and we work in the same department at work, so we butt heads sometimes. But overall, he's a nice guy. Uh, but he was whining a lot about not getting healed because he kept charging in <laughs> head first and the rest of the party kept bringing that up. I healing. And I know, so that's basically... they healed him to full and he walked in and went charging, walked straight up to the spooky tree that doesn't make any sense why it's there. Yeah. And so the hag hit him with lightning bolting and knocked him out. Yeah. Um, and he seemed a little upset with that. He's like, there's nothing. fear. I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> So, when I was building the last uh, little adventure, little session that we did, I built a Seth trap.
2: Um, So, it was this little chasm. Seth is a friend of the show, by the way. He's been on the show.
1: And again, lovely man.
2: Uh, A couple of times.
1: (laughs) But I like picking on him. Uh, There was this chasm. And he's he's an Aarakocra. They're from the Plane of Air. They're bird people. Um, So, he would have been able to fly across the chasm, in theory. He can move 50 Mm -hmm. feet. In a round, it's 60 feet across. So he would have been able to get almost all the way to the end before there would have been another round. So my plan was for him... He didn't end up coming, so I was kind of bummed out. Was for him to get, you know, most of the way over. um, And then a giant hand was going to come out (laughs) of the chasm and grab him. And then he would have to make a saving throw. And if he failed it, it would pull him into the darkness and kill.
2: (laughs) Now I'm curious, because when you... Because we we talked a little bit about this before the show. And I, I was... To me, it seems like um, a failure to like it, it's. Why did you not know there wasn't a hand under the pit <laughs> to grab you to head, drink, <laughs> drag you to hell? It's a little Deus Machina. <laughs> yeah,
1: like I like I, the the idea was that it was like billowing smoke coming out of it and everything. It so, looked spooky. So I, po-
2: I wanted to describe it as foreboding as possible. You're trying to make it so that you shouldn't fly across this. Yeah. if you're flying across this, it's a bad decision. So.
1: In that same area, there is this ruined tower. Um, and basically, this little part of the, the dungeon adventure, whatever, was essentially, hey, guys, don't you wish your fighter and druid were here? Um, so there was a, a doorway covered by rubble, and okay. none of them had the strength to move more than one rock at a time. So it took them like an hour. <laughs> oh,
3: that's not um, okay.
1: bad. And then once they did, they realized none of them could fit through the door because they were all too tall. I'm uh, like, right, you have a gnome who can turn into even smaller things. Wouldn't it be great if they were here? Oh, so hold on. So the the... Who was missing from this session? Which so time? the fighter and the druid. All right. Um, so our big Eric Aarakocra uh, and our gnome. And uh, they did eventually um, take a very long time and clear the rubble and then widen the door with their weapons. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then they reached the second very obvious trap, uh, which was a glowing chest in the middle of this um, tower in the middle of the Shadow Realm. Uh, and they opened it. Um, now, if I can interject,
0: <laughs> I've heard man. Victoria... And Stefan both describe all of these scenarios and the traps involved. And both of them believed very firmly that there might as, like, they didn't actually say this, but the, the way they described it was basically, you could have just put a sign down <laughs> and said, by the way, this is a trap, but do whatever you want. Yeah. which And is... they
1: did it. <laughs> And that's the thing. That's the thing I like about Dungeons and Dragons. Is by the way, you get to a point where you have to start. There has to start being consequences for being that reckless, right? Yeah. So our warlock Stefan opens up the chest and finds this big bejeweled, glowing skull, uh, and he has this little ring that a, a thing is trapped inside that talks to him and it told him to throw it into the chasm. He's like, okay. "That's don't just pick up the spooky skull. That's stupid. Get rid of it." Uh, and the rest of the party's like, yeah, we should probably listen to him. That looks spooky. No, 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 no. He took it with him. <laughs> um, so they move on. They go through a couple more doors. They advance the plot a little bit. And then they come on to this just field of bones. Mm-hmm. And then um, he nice. has uh, the skull in his bag of holding. His bag of holding flies open. The skull pops out and flies out to the end of the be- field oh, of bones. Crumbs itself into the skull of a skeletal dragon. And the skeletal dragon stands up. And okay. they fight skeletons and the skeletal dragon.
2: And they kill two of them that the counter. It's great so this encounter killed two of the party
1: members <coughs> yes wow it wasn't meant to they were they weren't even supposed to go there but I'm like, yeah right, well if they do i that that needs to do something right did
2: you would you have given him did you give him a chance to like try to keep the thing in the the bag yeah he did not pass okay. <laughs> so i'm gonna ask you a question i'm gonna ask you a question i'm gonna, yeah you talk about punishing players for being reckless well not necessarily punishing. So you don't it's consequences for There reasons.
1: needs to be consequences. There needs to be <clears throat> something at stake, right? Otherwise it's just yeah, whatever my character will die, I'll just make a new one.
2: And this is gonna go out to Joel as well, because you guys mm-hmm. are both DMs mm-hmm. and you've both spent a lot of time thinking about this. And I, I love asking you guys these questions because you've thought about way more than I would. But DM and training. DM and training. Could and Joel uh, did pretty good the first time. Absolutely. Um my question is, you talk about consequences for recklessness, is it tough when you're setting up a campaign or you're doing these sorts of adventures to balance basically wanting players to move at a brisk enough pace, but also not being like, well, you move too quickly, now I'm going to punish you with an arbitrary, not an arbitrary trap, but it's like, you didn't, this room you were fine, but this room you didn't do this, so it turns it into a slog where you basically kind of zap the player in a, in a negative way.
1: I'm going to let Joel respond first because I have a lot to say.
0: Well, my (laughs) inexperience led me to decide not to do any traps except for one trap, which was a joke, which was a bear that fell on people. And then I said, ha-ha, it's a bear trap. (laughs) (laughs) And then (laughs) Curtis smiled somewhere. (laughs) Wait,
2: did Curtis play that game? No, we didn't know. He wasn't even there yet. (laughs) It was the the good old days. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't born. Um,
0: So, no, I didn't do any traps. I didn't want to.
2: But was it for that reason or?
0: I just didn't know how to operate them. I'm trying to... Call out things that uh, I'll do badly. <laughs> like, oh, like uh, being part of a war. Remember trying that? <laughs> that,
2: was, that was, it was a neat idea. It just didn't, I don't, like, yeah. we can all agree mechanically needed, needed to work, but I liked the idea of it. Yeah, I liked the
1: idea too. Uh, I don't think you should ever punish your players for being smarter than you. Um, <laughs> like, if they figure out something or if they do like to handle a combat situation really well and tactically, I think you should be perfectly fine. That being said, you do want to remind them that they are not unstoppable killing gods at yeah. some point. Cool. Um, which was basically I, what I wanted to do this week because we had, like, their very first encounter, they went up against goblins, and they're, like, level five now. Goblin, you can, an a, unarmed rogue can kill goblins <laughs> at level five. Yeah. Um, so it basically gets to a point where you don't you don't want to punish them for doing well or anything like that but you do need to get put the fear of God into them every mm. once in a while uh, and I like with the group that we play with usually a lot of the people get really attached to their characters okay. once they start you get a couple sessions in people like hey remember that time I did that thing mm-hmm. uh, like for instance this time <clears throat> when they came up against the goblins the bard turned herself invisible or themselves I don't remember what gender the character is <laughs> Um And went up and uh, turned themselves invisible, walked up behind a pine tree, shook the pine tree, (laughs) and then used a spell to make their voice boom out and scare all the goblins. And it worked. Uh, The goblins rolled really poorly. And I'm like, great, that's cool. You get inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, there was getting to a point, like, I remember when we were doing Storm King's Thunder, that official campaign we did, where Joel was just unstoppable. (laughs) Um, So I threw two dragons at you. And Joel didn't have to die that, <laughs> that round. I killed one dragon. <laughs> you killed one dragon, uh, but did not stop to get healed before you tried to kill the next one. But
0: it was very clear that everybody wanted me to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you,
1: you played
2: a rude, racist noble quite well. <laughs>
0: that was well-hated.
2: <laughs> well-hated, that's a good way to play it. All right, so would you, how do you feel the campaign is going so far? Because this is, the one coming up is going to be, as you described, the penultimate session... Yep. Um which means one more left. What do you think so far? I think it's gone pretty
1: well so far. We have a um at least one player that's never played D&D at all and uh two other players that have never played 5th edition. Uh Brent our cleric has gotten very into it and now wants to do Ghost of Saltmarsh and all this wow. other stuff. He also like he <clears throat> is a Warhammer and Magic the Gathering person, so he has crap loads of dice. Uh, and figures and things like that, so it's great. It's... So someone else is bringing the bag of dice, exactly or... the, the the suitcase full of dice and figurines. Yeah. Um, that being said, all the people that I have been playing with are trying out new classes. They're enjoying it. People are having fun. I think. Uh, one of the things I like about Seth is he's very hard on the sleeve kind of guy. I remember at the end oh, of the yeah. first session, he went, Mark, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, I've, I I want to make. So, the next and the final session, a good set piece. Uh, I feel a lot of the time you get to the point where you're all right, this is the room you're in, you fight some stuff. Yeah. So I'm trying to do it. I was talking to you guys. I don't want to put it on air in case anybody listens, but don't worry. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully the next set piece is good. Um, I've done a number of like, call-outs to roller campaigns, So they meet a paladin at one point. Wait, who... stop. What did you say? Call-outs to Rotor? Call-outs to like our previous campaign. Oh, okay. So Flashback. they ran into this paladin that had been investigating this curse had been put on a woman that if anyone spoke her name, they suddenly would spout horrible racist uh, stereotypes yeah. afterwards from that poorly named character on that gambling barge where we just skipped skipped that encounter and was like nope this is too bad the well, gambling barge was this.
2: getting bad for a bunch of reasons because yeah. I felt like there was a giant fight just like did we get into
1: a big fight or like? you didn't, you didn't get into a big fight you ended I uh, I pushed you guys through the door you were supposed to go through and oh, that's right. then you beat up the guy you were supposed to beat up <laughs> that was a weird <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I didn't aside. like that section.
2: Was it actually a steamboat? Because in my mind, it was like we were in the, the Mississippi in the 1800s. Yeah, so
1: the that. whole idea was that it was like an old gambling barge on the Mississippi. But yeah. like, in a fantasy realm, powered by magic steam. Um, <laughs>
2: magic steam.
1: There's a lot of stupid <laughs> stuff like that in D&D. Um, especially now that they brought in like the artificer and stuff with somebody that just uses magic items. I'm just like, ah. mm. But I don't know. It's going well. The p- players are having fun. Uh, I've introduced Nilbogs to the campaign, which are just my favorite creature ever. They're goblins spelled backwards. Um, if you want to attack a Nilbug, you have to make a charisma save. And if you fail it, you spend your turn talking about how cool Nilbogs are. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, they all hate Nilbogs. And every time I, cross <laughs> <trot, laughs> one out, <laughs> I'm <laughs> still bug. I'm Philbug. <laughs> are these <laughs> your own creation? No, Nilbogs are real. They're, uh, well, uh, they're official. Like they're in Morcanians or Volos, like something like that. Okay. But I read them like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and yeah. then like I started reading more of their uh, their uh, traits and stuff. I'm like, oh, it's a goblin that you have but to annoying. you have to c- succeed on a Christmas save even just to hit him. Yeah. And if you, the first time he gets hit every round, he can instead take zero damage and heal instead.
2: All right, another question for you, too, because, and I think I know the answer, at least for you, Mark, but I'm going to ask mm-hmm. it anyway. When you're setting up these campaigns, especially these homebrew ones, because obviously when in the, with the book, it's like, put in these monsters because this is what we're telling you to do. Yeah. But when you're doing it from scratch one, do you like to put enemies in a place or monsters in a place because you think they're cool? Or do you like putting monsters in a place because they're more thematically appropriate? And I'm sure there's a mix, but which one do you lean toward when you're designing? Definitely cool. I think goblins are cool, especially in the Dungeons & Dragons setting. Uh, I went off the other
1: day. Um, someone was like, well, how, what are even our nilbogs? And I'm like, oh, i glad you asked. <laughs> uh, and I went off for like 20 minutes explaining Magoobalette, uh, the goblin god, who conquered all the other goblin gods except for the trickster god that lives in every nilbog. Um, and it's just this dumb goblins just live to destroy and steal. They're evil creatures. There's nothing redeeming about them. So. Live to destroy and steal. That's
0: right. That's why you just go and you kill all the women and
1: children. <laughs> and every and campaign go, runs into a room full of goblin children. children
2: <laughs> and you have the baby Hitler argument. <laughs> How about you, Joel? Uh,
0: for me, it was all about difficulty. Uh, when I was first crafting the campaign, I know it's a boring answer, but I think, uh, you're trying to find something where the level of your characters will should reasonably be able to kill them, but also not have too easy of a time doing it.
1: Yeah, so I I think I mentioned to you guys the 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 the, the storm of comments I got for suggesting that party roles fit into like um, like classes fit into party roles, like that you have your tank, you have your damage, you have your range support. So like when we're like for me, Dungeons and Dragons is always about the party trying to achieve a goal. They're trying to solve their quest. That's yeah. why I don't get the campaigns that go on for years and things like that. I'm like when where does it end, right? Yeah. Like do you just keep coming up with stuff or like where's the fun in that, right? You're no, you don't have a goal. The party like you can't nobody no individual wins Dungeons and Dragons, but I think the party should have a goal to succeed. And I think implementing fun, challenging fights is, is a good way to keep them interested in it right because if you're just fighting goblins over and over again
0: yeah well what a critical role kind of i think they probably went from level one characters to level 20 characters uh leveling up in a reasonable pace mm-hmm. and it took them 115 four-hour sessions so if you were to play D D basically as much as you could possibly play <laughs> at what point you just become gods yourselves it's going to take you 115 times four hours
1: Yeah, Uh, and that's the other thing that I think we started to run into is you get into, all right, how long can I get these adults into a room Uh, to play the game they want to play together, right? Because when we did Storm King's Thunder, I started just having to do, all right, we're going to do just shorter and shorter sessions because it's impossible to get you all in the same room. Um, So I actually, doing the four-person dungeon this week was a lot faster and we've been doing passive initiative, which I like a lot more. So All instead right. of rolling every time there's combat, everyone has an initiative score and that's that's where you are in the order. Oh. So, yeah, so it's like up passive at, perception
2: or something like speeds that. Speeds up that whole thing, passing the sheet around and... Uh, oh, yeah. did you roll yet? No, I didn't roll yet. One second. Oh, sorry, who did this? Wait, what do I add? What do I add? And my, the thing that I hate the most
1: is, wait, what does that do? I don't know. You cast it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm casting death's door.
1: Or I like I like bringing up the, the spells section of the player's handbook and just flipping through it and be like, oh, you want me to tell you what all of these spells <laughs> do? And I throw <laughs> the book at the person. It's a very angry DM. Yeah, well, I also... Um, well, we have a few people that chose spellcasters without doing the necessary reading. <laughs> oh, just... spellcasters are a lot of work. Spellcasters aren't a lot of work if you figure out, all right, what useful spells do I have? I'll know by heart what those ones do, and the rest of them, yeah. whatever.
0: Unless you just need to know every spell because you're obsessed with <laughs> yeah, like, I, I need to know what's going to possibly come up well, in I this I think that would be
2: something you'd want to do, though, because aren't you really strict with, like is it what's what is it a wizard that has to have your spells baked in at the start yeah of the... so
1: wizards uh clerics i think druids and paladins too all have to prepare their spells they say all right i'm going to cast these spells yeah. today like this rest yeah. sorcerers just and bards just pull Things from a
2: hat. <laughs> um, basically, they just pick. I'm going to cast, and they go, go through the spell list. I'm going to cast fireball, fireball, fireball. So wouldn't that mean though, if like you have to you have to plan out your spells that you're actually reading into them and thinking, oh gee, do I put this one in here? This sounds useful. You bro. would think so. <laughs> well, that's an interesting question,
0: Jack, because I don't think I really answered your question yet. But basically, my monsters are definitely theme based. Like you'll have a you'll have a city scenario where you'll be fighting some yeah. uh, soldiers, and then you'll have a beach or a dungeon. Or a spooky mansion, or the, you know, uh, summoner woman in the forest kind of thing. And so all of those will take monsters uh, with special strengths and weaknesses. And if you were a good player character, um, you'd probably, well, first of all, the dungeon, the DM would probably have to tell you beforehand, maybe before even the session, what's coming as far as like. Um, the session ends with some information about uh, what to expect yeah and in that case you can come to the session with preparation Considering that you might be fighting uh, counter spells, or you might be fighting against uh, like undead, and then you might want to prepare some,
2: or at least like through anti
0: undead spells.
2: W- depending on how organic you want to make it too, whether like you explicitly send an email out before the mm-hmm. session saying like, oh, by the, I like the idea of the refresher of the event like too. So here's yeah. the story so far. Yeah, we God do. Knows. We
1: did a refresher. I think when we were doing Storm King's Thunder. Yeah. Uh, I do it this point because one of my favorite things that has come up this time is every time they meet a new character, like, oh, who are you? They're like, oh, where's some adventurers. We're looking for uh, some chick, and they all look at each other. <laughs> they all and no one what they're doing. <laughs> no one knows anything. So, what I like doing is having an NPC with them. <laughs> and then you like, uh, oh yeah, we're looking for some chick. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're supposed to see some wizard girl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what I like doing about like giving the hint and everything. So we always, I always want like to have a group chat through Slack, Facebook, yep. Hangouts, whatever. Yep. And then before, like, well, as I'm building it, like, I don't know, if Joel, you did the same thing, but I would, like, Google the monsters and, like, setting stuff. And yep. every once in a while, I would just, all right, here's a preview for next week. So for next week, um, I sent them a picture. All right, here's this mountain. Mm-hmm. Here's a gr- silver dragon. Here's a green dragon. That's the theme for next week. Yeah. Uh, and then I might have sent them pictures of kobolds,
2: but if I didn't, then I'll do that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was a good little chat about D and D. I do. I think it's fascinating because it sounds like you really are into this, and right, it's probably
1: like it. my favorite thing I have as a creative outlet.
2: Like, like I play music I play video games and stuff. But
1: playing Dungeons and Dragons
2: is a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, hopefully, uh, when it's over, uh, we can get you back in and have like the 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 decom not decommission debriefing mm-hmm. of the session and see what you liked, disliked, what you would change, add more of. And uh, go from there, but more Nilbogs. More Nil. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I haven't even fought them yet. I yeah. dislike them. Have but.
1: you ever seen the? Well, there's that clip from Troll Two where the kid realizes he's in the town of Nilbog, and he's like, "That's goblin backwards." And <laughs> I've never seen. Every Trolls time, time. <laughs> don't don't save your. Tra- I've just told you the <laughs> best part of the movie. Uh, every time the Nilbog shows up, we play that clip. So it was like
2: when you would cast Shatter Joel. And we would um, play Shattered
1: by the Rolling Stones.
2: It's a good gimmick. All right, diamonds the show. Uh, we, we hinted at the Germans arriving, mm. and we're going to do a quick little breakdown here of the uh, Spiel DR's nominees for the year because there's really not much to say. <laughs>
1: mark just pushes his
0: mark away on. and
2: goes on his phone. Goodbye, Mark. Because <laughs> uh, oh. the, the kids' ones I don't care about. The, so what's out there besides Wingspan that we know? <laughs> there's Carpe Diem. Yep. And uh, I forget the middle one, but it's really only th- there are two games that are up there that are going to be the ones people are talking about. Wingspan's already talked about a lot, and Carpe Diem's been out for a while, and I don't think being given the Spiel Kinderspiel DR is going to make uh, it any more popular personally. Yeah. But Well, unless it wins. Do you think it's going to win against mm, Wingspan? No. Wingspan's controversial. It's in the bag, and there's not much time left, so we're just going to quickly say Wingspan is that game by Stonemare Games that is a it's 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 on the 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 bandwagon that terraforming Mars brought back to life, even though other games have been doing it for a while, and Gizmos did really well, and everyone else is doing now, which is the tableau builder, except yeah. it's set with pretty birds with eggs and themes, and the artwork's pretty, uh, but nobody can get it nobody can buy a copy you can i think for the if you feel like shelling out a bunch of cash you can buy one on amazon from uh, nefarious people but and
0: if you want to see some very angry uh you know wealthy people um <laughs> look up jamie fighting with retailers and retailers
2: fighting back against jamie yeah, Stone is not endearing itself to some people, and there's there's the Stonemare Defense Force, which is real. People, I've never I've never seen some the people. Fl- the <laughs> <laughs> STDs, that's the better one. Anyway, did you say S D D? Yeah. Okay, I like S T D, but that's whatever. But Wingspan, it's it's the biggest game that nobody has ever played. So yeah. that's, that's. Wait something. for August. Our review is pending. Yeah. So I think May or June. I think they're. Ex- The second wave might be coming to Board Game Bliss, but you never know. Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. I was Mark. Thank you for listening. Support the station. And uh, you know what? We'll try to get Mark back as soon as possible. He's a good guy. Really good guy. Have a good day.